Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. And each pastor is going to share a message on marriage. And out of our own stories and our own learnings and what we've learned from God and Scripture... Uh, so I want to begin by just sharing a bit about Yvonne and I's story and uh, how we ended up getting married. Uh, so back in 2000, I graduated from college, and I started attending Willow Creek. And I was making the tough transition from campus ministry to, like, adult church, which is never easy. And I was part of a men's small group, and our small group was connected to a larger fellowship uh, that hung out with other small groups. And Yvonne was in a co-ed small group, and so that's how we first met. And our first impressions of one another, um, I didn't know how to say her name correctly. It's French, so it kind of threw me off. And her impression of me that I was too young and she wasn't sure about a guy with a goatee. So we were really acquaintances for the first year. And then about a year later, some things started to happen. I went on a mission trip to Africa. And before I went on that trip, I sent out a prayer email to all my friends just to ask for prayer. And she was on the list, and when she read that email, something happened in her heart. I'll let her explain that at a later date or something. And uh, so that was kind of the beginning for her. And then I got back from Africa, and we were at a social gathering. And we just started talking about missions and God, and I just saw a different side of her, and I was intrigued. At the time, I was working in Naperville, and she was tutoring that summer down in Naperville. Uh, So we decided to play racquetball. It really was very innocent, a few innocent games of racquetball. Uh, My intentions were very pure going into that night. Um, You can guess who won uh, the racquetball game, but uh, after racquetball, we went out for dinner. And uh, it was through that dinner that we just had great conversation, and I got to see just her love for God and her love for other people, and I was beginning to get get smitten. So then the problem happened is one of our mutual friends decided he wanted to start playing the middleman. He saw what was happening between the two of us, and he thought he was going to jump in and try to be matchmaker. For all you middlemen and middlewomen, please repent now. Please repent. So I just got tired of what he was doing, and I just told Yvonne, we need to talk. Uh, So I'll never forget the night. She was at a leaders meeting at Willow Creek. It was a Friday night, and I drove up there and was waiting for for the meeting to to get finished. And one of our mutual friends walked by, and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I'm here to talk to Yvonne. And he's like, looked at me. Like, he knew what was up. And uh, that night, uh, we went uh, outside and just walked around. There's a lake behind Willow Creek. Walked around that lake I don't know how many times and how many hours, but I was just very clear with her. Uh, I'm interested in you. I want to be more than friends. And it was kind of our defining the relationship conversation. And a few weeks later, we officially started dating. And then 20 months later, uh, we got married at Willow Creek and had our pictures taken outside uh, by the lake. And, uh, you know, this June we'll celebrate 10 years of marriage. And, uh, Yvonne and I, are, we're similar in so many ways. Uh, we're both firstborn children. We both have the same Myers-Briggs, INFJ, which I've, I've been told there's only 3% of the population that have that. We're both uh, very organized, responsible. 
Uh, but we're very different, though. Yvonne is more adventurous and a dreamer. I like to play it safe. I'm very cautious. Yvonne is more sentimental. I'm more practical. Her love language is quality time. Mine is words. She's Chinese-Australian, and I'm white, white. (laughs) A funny story related to that. Last week, we were having dinner, and Yvonne was asking Joshua about his ethnicity. And it's really the first time we've had a conversation with him about it. And he's in a Chinese immersion program through his school, so he understands that he's Chinese because he's learning that every day. But Yvonne turned to him and said, do you know what daddy is? And you know, I was expecting him to shrug his shoulders. That's what he does when he doesn't know something. But he thought about it for a few moments. He's like, daddy is Spanish. <laughs> and here's why. Since he's learning Chinese, like he knows I took Spanish growing up. So he always wants to learn new words in Spanish. So our boy, unfortunately, thinks he's Chinese Spanish right now. Uh, marriage. Marriage is more challenging than I ever thought it would be. I really thought this was going to be pretty easy. And I'm blessed with an amazing and wonderful wife. And yet marriage invites you into a deeper reality of who you are. In marriage, you are confronted with all your stuff, your selfishness, your pride. And God is inviting you to be refined and pruned in greater and deeper ways. There's a story of a single woman who was struggling uh, with her singleness, and she went to a famous spiritual director. And she had a friend who told her, you know, that being single is a more holy life. And yet she had this desire to get married, so she was really wrestling with things. And she brought this to the spiritual director, and he said to her, far from being a compromise... Marriage might be the toughest ministry she could ever undertake. And he said to her these words, The state of marriage is one that requires more virtue and constancy than any other. It is a perpetual exercise of mortification. And I really resonate with those words, but not in a morbid sense. Uh, Marriage isn't easy, but there's such joy and delight to watch God bring two sinners who are broken and fallen together in intimacy and oneness. And I'm learning more and more in life that the best things often need to be fought for and don't necessarily come easy. The things that require the most sacrifice are often the most worthwhile. You know, there's so many different aspects of marriage that we could talk about this morning, but the one thing that's been on my heart recently is there is purpose beyond the relationship itself. And I'll unpack this through the the, the message, but I believe too many marriages right now are just drifting. And they're living more out of chance and by accident and reacting to life rather than being rooted in the strength of purpose and direction that God desires. And as I thought more about purpose in marriage, I realized that some of the key building blocks don't need to wait until one is married. So I want to share a couple of lessons that are very relevant to those of you who are single or dating. 
You know, honestly, I remember back when I was single and, and married people would offer me advice or counsel. And I don't think I did the best job heeding their wisdom. Part of my rationale was I, think, I was thinking subconsciously, of course you can say that. It's so easy for you to say that because you're married now. You've found your spouse. But I just want to encourage you, if you're single, be more mature than I was back then. I recognize that it could be easy for you to brush aside these words. But one day, I'll, I believe you'll look back on these things and realize the wisdom in what I'm about to share. And, you know, as I was preparing this part of the message, I was really, you know, prayerful, asking God, what do you want to say to single people in our church? And, and I really believe he wants to say that you are not second best. Uh, you are not second class. Your singleness does not define who you are. You're just as valuable as a married person in the economy of God and in our church. And the pastors, we were talking about it this week. I mean, just the topic of singleness. And I, I believe I share the heart of our leadership team, uh, that we really care about the single people in our church. When we want you to feel that you're a, a valuable part of our family and how can we help you grow and connect in this season. For those of you that have a deep desire to be married and are struggling as you wait, there is a purpose that God has in the waiting. And yet I've never met someone who says, boy, if only I could wait a little bit longer. <laughs> or waiting is my favorite thing to do in the world. <laughs> Waiting's hard. If we want something, we want it now. But I've learned that God is often slower in his timing uh, than we think he should be. He's not in a hurry to accomplish what he wants to see happen. And we need to learn to trust God's timing. So if you're single, I, I want to share just two lessons that I learned uh, throughout my years. Uh, the first one is focus on community and friendship and not on your singleness. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I know I'm stating the obvious here, but friendships matter. When you get married, you still need friends. Your spouse alone cannot meet your need for community and friendship. In your single years, you have the great opportunity to really engage in pursuing deep and meaningful friendships that God willing will last a lifetime. The catch here is that if you get so caught up in your singleness as a problem and as a bad thing, you're going to let it steal away from the attention and time you can give to pursuing friendships. Give yourselves now to building a group of friends and community that will last a lifetime. Another thing, if you're interested in someone, look at their friendships, especially with the same sex. You can tell a lot about someone based on their friends. How much do they extend themselves for their friends? How much do they sacrifice for their friends? When Yvonne and I went out for dinner after racquetball that night, this is one of the things that really attracted me to her. 
she talked a lot about her women uh, in her women's group. And I could tell, like, she deeply loved these women. And she would go to bat for them. I saw a woman who had a deep love for other people. It was one of the things that most attracted me to her uh, back then and still does today. This is, I admire this so much about my wife. She lays down her life every week for other people. And back then, she was also teaching second grade. And boy, if you heard her talk about her students, it was like they were her own children. She deeply loved the students uh, she was teaching. So that night, man, that, that really sucked me in. Observe the friendships of someone you are interested in. One last point on this. If you're dating or when you start dating, don't ditch your friends. That's really not cool. When you start dating, pace your relationship and continue to make time and space for your friends. You will need those folks once you get married. Trust me on that one. Okay, the second lesson is to focus on character, who you are becoming. A few weeks ago, our family was out to dinner, and, you know, we go to fancy places like Ikea, uh, like that <laughs> night. Um, and I was checking us out, and I noticed the bill. It seemed like a, a little bit short. And, you know, I was in a hurry. We had three kids that were waiting to be fed. And, and so in that moment, I had a choice. I could stop the lady and investigate the bill, or I can just move along and just kind of ignore it because I'm in a rush or a hurry. Character is often revealed in those small little choices we make that no one else will know about. I told the lady that I think she missed something, and I I was hoping she wouldn't charge me for it, but she did. (laughs) But I walked away from that encounter $2 less rich, but with a great amount of peace for doing the right thing. Character is the essence of who you are. It is the foundation of your personhood and is reflected through the behaviors and choices that you make. And like I said, character is often revealed in those small decisions when no one is watching. I think of the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And he was a faithful servant of Potiphar. And if you're familiar with this story, then Potiphar's wife is starting to come on to him. And I was recently reading the story, and it was a daily thing that she was trying to seduce him. It wasn't just a one-time thing. So day after day, he said no to her. And what did it get him? It got him thrown into prison. Choosing integrity will not always provide convenience. And it could be very costly. But I love this verse in Proverbs 10.9. It says, For whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. There is a peace and security that God gives you when you're living a life of righteousness and integrity before him. In a world that esteems the outward and what you look like, how you dressed, let us not be fooled. Your character matters more. I mean, you could get new skinny jeans, a six-pack, whatever it is, but it will all be fleeting. But being a person of character will outlast all of that and will make you attractive for the long run. 
I mean, I've been married almost 10 years, and physical appearance doesn't get any better over time. So it's really your character that's going to endure and make you attractive to your spouse. In our, in, the, in our girl's bedroom, Yvonne put a stencil of this verse up at the top of the wall, and I, I love this, and it's our prayer for our girls. His charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The second thing is character lays the foundation of any relationship. You can prepare now for a great marriage by investing into your character. These are important years as a single person for God to shape you and forge your identity and help you cultivate your habits. Let me tell you something. Listen up here. If you think that marriage will take care of your character flaws, you are badly mistaken. Marriage will only illuminate and bring out all the junk to the surface. Galatians 5, 23 is the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I want to encourage you this week as a next step to, to read through the fruits of the Spirit and really look at these character qualities and say, what is one area in my life that I need to grow in, in character? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Which character quality, if, whether you're single or married, do you need to grow in? Uh, to walk a life that is righteous uh, before the Lord. Okay, I want to switch up gears and now address uh, the married couples in the room. But uh, to the single folks, don't check out. Uh, These are important things uh, for you too. Uh, The first uh, lesson I want to share is to fight the relational drift. Uh, To fight the relational drift. Drift. Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. God makes it very clear here, his intent for marriage. His desire is for couples to become one. For a husband and wife to come together and live in unity, intimacy, direction, and purpose. It's what makes Marius so glorious, but also so mysterious. Two individuals, two separate identities coming together as one entity. I mean, you stand there on your wedding day with great hopes and dreams, and everything is just top-of-the-mountain experience. Then you begin the adventure of everyday life together. And don't get me wrong, there's still incredible moments and glorious times together. But there's also pain, there's struggle, and there's discord. And over time, relationships can easily drift. And it's often not out of malicious intent or bad will. You get into patterns of living, and you get into a rut. And if you have children then the problem only gets compounded because so much time and energy is going into the lives of your children. And what Yvonne and I have learned over the years is you have to fight and you have to work hard for your marriage. It's not going to just happen. It requires intentionality and hard work. There are seasons for us where we're just drifting apart 
and not living as connected as we can. And in those moments, we have to be honest with one another and talk about how can we grow and move forward together as one. I want to share with you a tool that we've begun using recently. Uh, A friend of mine shared it with me, and it's called Fano. It kind of has a strange name. But it's a a sharing exercise um, where each person in in the marriage shares four things. And what I love about Fano is you can, you can do it in about 10 minutes. I mean, it could take about an hour if you really dive into it and ask a lot of questions, but it's a great connecting tool and exercise. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first, the F stands for feeling. So one spouse goes and just shares through the four things, and, and the, couple just, the, the spouse just shares the predominant feeling in their life at that moment. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm feeling content. I'm feeling at peace. And they just share briefly some of the reasons for why they're feeling that way. The second thing is affirmation. You just point out something in your spouse that that you've noticed recently, a behavior or something they've done for you, and just affirm them for it and bless them for it. Affirmation is so important uh, for the livelihood of a marriage. And the third thing is need. You share one need that you have that your spouse can help meet. Uh, For example, if you're feeling discouraged, if that's your predominant feeling, you can just share with your spouse, you know what, I really need you to encourage me on a daily basis. Uh, And this is how you can encourage me. This is what you can do. And the last thing is just sharing um, something that you're taking ownership for in the relationship. Uh, so if, if lately you've been kind of withdrawn and just haven't been really pursuing your spouse and kind of grumpy, you just take ownership for that and apologize and ask for forgiveness. Uh, again, very simple tool. It's in your bulletin on the next steps. Feeling, affirmation, need, ownership. And again, you can do this in about 10 minutes. Uh, so this week, maybe this is a next step for you, like after the kids go down or over dinner, Just say, let's do Fano. And yes, it's a funny name. But just dive into it and engage one another and connect. But another thing Yvonne and I have done over the years is we'll write out lists of ways that we can feel connected to one another. Things that we enjoy doing together that we feel connected. Like we love going to coffee shops. Uh, We love road trips. Uh, We love date nights. We love recreating together. So these are the practices that we need to have in our marriage constantly to help us feel connected. Uh, But again, just to remind us, we will naturally drift in our relationships if we're not intentional in fighting and making the effort to work at it. The last lesson I want to share is finding your vision. Finding your vision. Do you have a picture of what it will look like for you and your spouse uh, when you're old and gray, the kids are gone, you're empty nesters, what will you do with all your time? What will, what will you give your lives and your marriage to? This is a great picture. And I, I, you know, I, I'm still young, but I've been thinking about that a little bit more, is I want our marriage to have purpose. In Proverbs 29:18, it says, where there is no vision, The people are unrestrained. 
but happy is he who keeps the law. When you have no vision, when you have no purpose, people just go their own way. Marriages just go their own way. It leads to chaos. It's disconnected. It's directionless. But the text says, but happy is he who keeps the law. And I was, I was reflecting on the Old Testament law a bit. And we, we need to remember the law is more than a bunch of rules. It provides God's vision for what is good and right and guidance on how we are meant to live. The heart of the law is that God has a vision for what is best for us. Oneness is the general vision that God has for married couples. But I also believe that each marriage is unique, and there's a special and unique purpose that God is calling each marriage and couple to. Over the course of our marriage, Yvonne and I have talked about what it is that we want our family and our marriage to be about. In those conversations, we brainstormed a lot of ideas that sounded good, but nothing ever stuck. Until last year, we heard a message about creating a family vision statement that was life-changing for us. It was given by Patrick Lencioni, and he wrote a book called uh, the, the Three Big Questions for a Frantic Family. And his model was different than anything ever I had ever heard before. And Lencioni encourages couples to ask three big questions to identify their vision and what they value most as a couple and as a family. And I just want to walk through this very briefly. Uh, the first question that he asks couples is, what makes your family unique? What makes your family unique? And this is different than I've ever heard it. Because I think often we, we think about ways that we want to inspire to be this kind of family. Uh, but he, he says to identify what makes you unique and stands out. He encourages you to, to identify two to three core values. And where he says to begin is look at what first drew you to your spouse. What, what first attracted you to your wife or husband? And he also warned against those aspirational values, those things that we desire, but we really, it's really not true of us. So if we hear of another family that has a vision statement and they're, one of their core values is gratitude, and you're like, oh, yeah, gratitude is a good thing. And it is a good thing. But if it's not something that's really special and unique and that your family is really practicing well, then you need to leave that out of your list. The second thing he says what is your family's rallying cry for this season? And what he means by this is choosing one thing that will be the primary thing for the next two to six months. So we would say, if we're in February, he would say, before July 4th, what is the one thing that your marriage and family needs to be about for the next four months? And then you figure out what are all the things that need to happen for that one thing to be accomplished. So if you're having a baby later in the summer, that would probably be the one thing you would want to focus on. How do we get our family ready for baby number one or baby number four? And these are all the things we need to do. It's our rallying cry for this season. For the last two years, our rallying cry has been simplicity. 
And it's not simplicity for simplicity's sake. But, but what we want to see happen is that our family would be living out our core values, that those would be the main things, that with everything that comes on our plate, that we would be living out the things that are most important. And his last question is very, I mean, interesting. But he says, how do you talk about and use the answers to number one and number two? Basically, he's saying, you can talk about number one and two, and you can, you know, put it on paper, but how does it enter into the fabric of your everyday life? When do you talk about your core values? When do you sit down and talk about your rallying cry? If you have a regular date night, that would be a good place to start. And you don't need to spend the whole date night talking about it, but maybe 10 minutes. Here's our rallying cry. How are we doing? How are we getting ready for this one thing in our marriage? It honestly took Yvonne and I most of last year to talk through this and really hone in what are the main things for us. And we decided that once we landed on our core values that we are going to create a family plaque and hang it up in our house. And this is one of the highlights for me from 2012, seeing God lead us to create a family vision, which I believe represents us well as a couple and is highlighting the purpose of our family. And it gives us a sense of rootedness and strength that we know where we're headed. And here's a picture of the plaque. It's hanging near our table where we eat all our meals. And I'll walk through the three core things. And I'm, I'm not saying we're perfect in these three areas that we've arrived, but I think it's, it really speaks to over the history of our relationship, what are the things that are most important and dear to us. The first one is to seek after God with passion and love. And that's, I mean, first place, that our relationship with God as individuals and for our kids will be the most important thing. And so how are we building that into our rhythm? What does it look like? For Yvonne, I mean, we try to give her a morning a week where she can just go to Panera and do an extended quiet time. That's something very important to us because it's rooted out of our seeking after God with passion and love. The second thing is to embrace and celebrate life's moments. You know, when we were dating, I think this is unique, but we celebrate every month of our dating history. Month one, month two, three, four, five. Every single month, we did something special that month to celebrate and mark the moment. And it's just something that's core to how we do things. When we have a birthday in our family, it seems like we have three or four different celebrations. Um, another thing that I love that Yvonne started for our family is if something special happens in one of our kids' lives or even one of our lives, we light a candle at the dinner table and just to acknowledge that moment in that person's life. And we have a journal where we mark all those special candle moments and we just sing a simple song that we celebrate you. And it's a way for us to mark moments. So like, you know, when Jenna got potty trained, like we mark that moment, we light a candle. It's a big deal. You celebrate it. And the last one, and this was honestly the first one that we came up with. It was the one thread that kind of stuck out through this whole process is that we will give ourselves to the selfless and loving pursuit of others. And I love this one because it's what attracted me first to Yvonne is that she gives her life for the sake of others. And that's what we want to teach our kids, 
that they would lay down their lives and care deeply for other people. You know, I look at that, this, this is not just words on a plaque. Uh, this means so much to us. It informs the decisions we make, how we steward our time and money, and how we want to live and be known for. In your marriage, have you identified and named the core values and what, what you will give your lives to together? I believe this is so important. Because uh, too many marriages are just drifting and they're aimless. Find your purpose. Find your core values. Find your rallying cry. The next step to take is, you know, maybe on a date night. Because I think this takes a lot of work and effort to begin the process. And maybe you start out as individuals and you just brainstorm a list. These are the things that make us special and unique. And come together on a date night and celebrate and begin to identify what are the top three things uh, that you will live your lives out for purpose, for God's glory. As I close, I want to quote the great theologian Toby Mack in his recent song. I used to love DC Talk, like growing up in the church, and I resisted listening to Toby Mack, but I just recently got his his new album, and I'm, I'm just reliving the glory days of youth group. But his song, Made For Me, and how he sings about his wife. I've listened to this so many times this week preparing this message. He says, because she was made for me, you gave her to me. I said I'd hold on loose, but I so want to squeeze you. Just right for me and for the life of me. I can't believe I get to call her mine. And she was made for me. When I step back and ponder it, I truly believe and see how Yvonne was created by God for me. With all her strengths, all her weaknesses, all her delights, all her brokenness, being fashioned by God to be brought together with me and all my frailties, all my shortcomings, all my strengths. And when you remember and acknowledge the sovereignty of God, you realize your spouse has been created for you. The sovereign God knows what he is doing in putting the two of you together. And I just want to say, if you're struggling in your marriage right now, if you've hit a season that's very difficult, this is a very important concept to reflect on and, and to pray on. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, your spouse has been made for you, specially designed for you. And I once heard an author or speaker say that, that your wife's weaknesses are put there by God to grow and shape your character. In our small group right now, we're, we're about to start a new study called Sacred Marriage. And Ivana and I have read that book before, and it's my favorite book on marriage. And the whole premise of the book is that God has invited you into marriage to be holy rather than happy. And if you're struggling, maybe here's something you can do practically. Uh, our kids recently, I don't know how this happened, but they started watching our wedding video. And they've, they just they want to watch it all the time. And my daughters want to come up and dance with me when they're watching the dancing scene. But that's a good practice to 
remember that God has made you two for each other is to watch your wedding video together or bring out your wedding album. And remember that day when you began the glorious adventure of marriage, the vows and promises you made to your spouse before God, all the hopes and dreams that you brought into that day, renew them, rediscover them, and begin to live again with purpose and direction in your marriage. Uh, I, I want to invite us just to take a moment and uh, enter into a time of prayer. Again, if you're in this single season, I, I want you to know how much we care about you. You're an important part of our our church family. Uh, your singleness does not define you. And I really challenge you to really think through how are you uh, investing into your friendships? Because that's great preparation for marriage. To dive deeply into community. And how are you growing in your character? Who are you really becoming? Are you becoming a more loving person? Are you becoming a person of more self-control? And if you're married, uh, to really today begin to fight again for your marriage. If you're starting to give up, uh, to take hold of God's sovereignty that he's brought you two together. Not to fight against each other, but to fight together and to discover your purpose. Just take a minute to, to come before the Lord and just to pray about those things. desperately we need you that we cannot do these things in, in our own strength and God we're also reminded how frail and broken and inadequate we are but God thank you that you're not done with us thank you that you care about our character and who we're becoming and I pray for us as a church that we would become people of integrity character filled with your Holy Spirit that we would be known as people of love and peace and joy and when people
people get to know us, they would see Christ in us. And God, we pray that you would strengthen marriages in our churches, in our church. We pray, God, for the marriages that are struggling, even right now, that you would remind them of your sovereignty, God, how you have been faithful in the past, how you will be faithful in the future. Pick them up in their weakness and their struggles and give them resolve. Give them renewed love and commitment to one another. And God, we pray that we would be people of purpose in our everyday lives, that we would not live aimlessly, God, but we would be rooted in what you're calling us to do and to be. God, help us to discover your purposes for us as individuals and as families. God, we thank you for how you're at work right now. We trust your Holy Spirit is moving among us, God. And as we come to worship now, God, we, we pray that we would worship out of that place of whether it's weakness or brokenness or delight or glory, that we would come to you as we are. We pray this together in Jesus' name. You are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawthorne Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is.